Shalom. I love speaking to a Jewish audience. Thank you for making me feel so welcome. Yes, uh, I am a Messianic Jew. I've had a few people already ask me, what's that? Well, we're going to find out. But essentially, a Messianic Jew is like any other Christian. They believe in the Messiah, as we all do. And uh, hence the name Messianic Jew, who have come to faith and know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy One of Israel. So here I stand, a Messianic Jew, but also a Lutheran pastor. Huh, how did that happen? I think we're all curious to find out. Well, it all begins with... um, a couple of things. When I was dating Paula, my beautiful bride, um, I shared this with her. You have to know, dear, that uh, my yes is yes. So we were dating. I hadn't asked her to marry me, but that's how I was wired from a very young age. My yes is yes, and it's forever. So it's hard for me to say yes to just anything. The other thing is, it was my nature, um, even before I went to college, uh, to, if I was curious about something, I would uh, go check it out. That was my, the way I did things. And so this journey, that sets the stage, began with a phone call from my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, Danae. Um, And she said, uh, Mom, Dad, guess what? I know who Jesus is. Okay, um, for any Jewish family, that's not what you want to hear. And... uh, I said, well, that's fine for you, dear, um, being generous at the moment. But do not tell your grandparents, because she had gone from our home to living with her grandparents in Palm Desert uh, to get away from under our authority, uh, the rules of the house. Do not go home and tell them, oh, mom, dad, Uh, Grandpa and Grandpa, they love me. And I said, yes, they do, dear, very much. But do not go tell them what you just told me. Oh, and so what did she do? (laughs) Mom, uh, Grandpa and Grandpa, I know who Jesus is. And within 15 minutes, everything she owned was in a suitcase. The sun had gone down and she was out on the street. The lights were turned off and the doors were locked. That's mild. So she uh, picked up her suitcase, dragged it back um, to the church where she had been running with a new set of young people and they were on fire for the Lord and they led her to the Lord. And... uh, From that beginning, 
within nine or ten months, our entire family came to faith. Her sister, my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, um, and also um, Paula has a unique testimony related to Isaiah 53. I'll save that for another day. But not me. Now in the background, I do believe that God is sovereign and is uh, often doing things in the background we don't even see or recognize. Well, during that period of time, um, I'd been working for the general telephone company and it had been advanced up through uh, marketing, product management, and so on. Um, and so I was tapped on the shoulder uh, by the, the board to become the, the newest regional manager uh, for the entire region of the Bay Area. So from Southern California, they moved us up and we settled in. Everywhere we went, though, as new members to the community, um, it was, oh, hi, you're new here. Yes. Oh, well, come join us. Um, we worship at the church just down the street. And I said, oh, okay. One time we were standing to buy groceries. person in front of us turned around and said, oh, you're new here, aren't you? Yes, we are. Uh, well, welcome. Won't you come join us at our church? It's the one just down the street. And the person behind us says, oh, yes. Pretty much everyone in line started that same thing. Oh, yes, come join us. It's the church just down the street. So we settled in. By this time, Paula and the girls uh, wanted to go to church. And I kept saying, no. We're not going to go to church. I think I was a little afraid. But finally, Paula, the courageous one, uh, one Sunday morning, they're all getting ready, and she says, um, dear, we're going to church, the one just straight, and uh, you're welcome to come with us, but we're going to go. <sighs> On the spot, yes, okay, I'll come. And I I'm along with them. But my motives were not pure. My motives were not to find Jesus. My motives were to go rescue my family from the cult they'd fallen into and meet the cult leader. And so I came, met the cult leader, uh, was going with them on a semi regular basis, and uh, Paula even signed up for Bible study during the week. Well, okay, I want to check it out. So I too went to Bible study as an unbelieving Jew. She could see I was a little frustrated, so she's at home. She said, you know, the girls and I want a Bible. We want to go get a new Bible. Would you like one too? Okay. It was tough. Okay. So she bought us all uh, NIV study Bibles. Wow. And so with that, I began to check it out. That was my practice. 
And I began to read the New Testament for the very first time. Still looking for a way out. Still looking how I could uh, wipe this all away. Save my family. And I began to read in Matthew. Wow, Matthew is my favorite book today in all the Bible. But something was interesting there. As I began to read the first few chapters, I ran into the phrase, so that it might be fulfilled. Or as the scriptures say. You know what I did? Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. So I would go back and check it out. In my Bible, You know what? It was there. It was there. And it was speaking about the Holy One who would come. The one that God would send. His Son. So every time I ran across that, I would say, aha, another chance. I'd go back and sure enough, it would be there. I continued through the whole New Testament. Often making comparisons back and forth between uh, my scriptures The Jewish scriptures, I didn't call it the Old Testament. And it was this comparison back and forth as I checked it out. So all of that to be said, it brings us now to November 6th, 1988. And I was 45 years of age. There we were in church. Now, following the Sunday morning Bible study there in Fremont Community Church, uh, we took the study with a a gentleman named Steve. Uh, He and his family were back from being missionaries to Taiwan. And uh, he was my source. If I had a question, I could call him. I knew him. Paula, the same with her. And... uh, He was teaching on Sunday mornings. And so we went to that Bible study. And then from there, we went into the sanctuary. And see, that that church, oddly enough, was a converted chicken ranch along Mission Boulevard. It was huge and converted into a sanctuary. And classrooms had lots of room. And... uh, Little aside, when we'd get to worshiping, we'd have a few hundred people attending and uh, the, the sound, no rock band, but it was, we would praise to the Lord with a large, large uh, voice. And every once in a while, we'd really get rocking, if I can use that word, and it would shake loose a little chicken feather and it would fade. And the whole congregation would watch it come down. Yeah, that was where it was. And so from there, we made our way into the sanctuary, uh, stopping along the way to say hi to friends we had made and friends we knew very well and, um, and chatted for a bit. And we were getting ready for the 10 o'clock service. And, uh, but this service turned out to be... Uh, 
something I had not expected. A service where the congregation was about to take the Lord's Supper. As a Jew, I never intended to ever take the Lord's Supper, uh, something I had never done and never contemplated doing. And yet that morning, service, we sang some, some songs, we worshiped as a part of the order of the service, and uh, Paula and I and our two, goddaughter, uh, two daughters actually felt very warm, very welcome, and with this congregation. Now, once worship was over, the ushers came forward. Usually they wait to the end, but the ushers came forward and uh, received trays of broken matzah, not wafers, broken matzah. It was their practice. Another reason we felt right at home. And cups of juice. They began distributing them and making their way row by row. And uh, so, finally, I found myself as an unbelieving Jew holding a piece of matzah and a cup of juice. Items very familiar to Jews everywhere. Passover came to mind. I told myself, I was ready to try anything once. What could it hurt? I was about to find out. You see, that morning a visiting pastor uh, stood up and um, was conducting the service. And what he said, I've never heard another pastor say, but he said this. We're about to take the Lord's Supper as a family. If there is anyone here who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, please make your way to the aisle, out to the foyer. Afterwards, you can come in and join us again. Uh, but for now, we're going to take the Lord's Supper as a family. For to take it in an unworthy manner, I swear, he was looking right at me. Ever had that feel? Yes. Well, <clears throat> to take it in an unworthy manner is to heap coals of damnation on your head. I wasn't ready for that. I was stunned. My mind raced. I thought of leaving, of jumping up, making it out those double doors, but I knew that if I had gone through those double doors that morning, I would never look back, I would never come back. Then suddenly, I was wondering, could I take these Jewish elements and remain Jewish? You see, rabbis uh, teach us that to become a Christian, you are no longer Jewish. That's the key. You lose your culture. You lose your family. You lose who you are. They say to become a Christian, you are no longer a Jew. And you lose all your, Christian, your Jewish heritage. 
dare I take these elements that I was now holding, should I take them in an unworthy manner? Those words echoed back to me. As an unbelieving Jew surrounded by Gentiles, believing family members, Paula and the daughters, they were already believers, and Gentile friends who I knew personally, and I, had, I just had to make a choice right then and there, it was put before me. Neither Paula nor my daughters had stopped being Jewish when they believed in Jesus Christ and openly said so. So there I sat. Yes, once again, the unbelieving Jew surrounded by believing Gentiles who were worshiping my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Leading up to this morning, yes, I had read the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. I had checked it out with this new Bible and back and forth. That was my practice to check it out. But every time I did, there I read, it was completed as, as the scriptures say. You know, uh, Christ in his Sermon on the Mount was speaking uh, to his disciples in chapter 5, verse 17, he said, I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets. No, I've not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Yes, I had to make a, a choice. And so, it simply came down to this. My study, my checking it out, going back and forth between the Testaments. Um, I realized that that entire book was written by Jews. Yes, the New Testament. About Jews and for Jews, but also for Gentiles. In Isaiah 53, if you ever want to share any scripture with a Jewish friend, make it Isaiah 53 from their Bible. And then ask them to read it and ask them, who's that talking about? Open the dialogue. And so in Isaiah 53, I remembered, Listen to these words. Surely he took up our pain. The he that's being talked about is the one that God would send, the Messiah, his son. Surely, it says, he took up our pain, bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, afflicted by him. But he was pierced for our for what we had done. He was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. 
And all like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the punishment of us all. Yes, I had read that. I understood. This was clearly speaking about Jesus. God's anointed. And for the reason of the events of that Friday morning, his last Passover, where he was crucified, he said, the iniquity of us all. The all meant all of us, all nations, all people. You see, yes, we all know by heart John 3, 16 and 17. It goes like this. See if you remember. God so loved just the Jewish people that he sent his one and only son. Is that how it goes? No, it doesn't. God so loved the world. He sent his son to the world. Verse 7, oh, 16. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Hmm. You see, the all meant all nations and all peoples. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, is the Abrahamic covenant, which is still a covenant in power today. Verse 3 simply says, I will bless those who bless you, Father Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, I'm adding, and your seed. And I will curse those who curse you and your seed. And all nations on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Through you and your seed. The entire Old Testament points forward to the coming of Christ. Referring to the promised Messiah, once again in, uh, in Isaiah 49, these words I took to heart, and it was amazing reading these words. It is too small a thing. It is too small a thing. He's now speaking through Isaiah to his people. It is too small a thing that I will send my servant. Christ came as the servant just to the house of Israel and the house of David. That's just too narrow a focus, too small a thing, he said. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles. You see, it was always God's intention to include Gentiles in his plan of salvation. It was obvious that God's plan of salvation was always meant to be for the entire world and the light was for all. (sighs) The pieces began to fit together. 
My mind raced. You'll have to realize I'm sitting there. I've not come to faith. Had no intention to as I came that morning. And I'm holding a piece of matzah and a cup of juice. My mind raced, trying to put it all together to embrace a bigger picture from all that I read and to focus on this moment, that moment. The real question for me came down to this. Is it true? I kept coming back to the Jewish hope promised in the Torah and the prophets. I now saw fulfilled on every page of the New Testament uh, and through Jesus. Having become Jewish at age 23, my yes was yes to Mary Paula. I accepted the revelations of Moses about God and the teachings of the prophets about my people, but this was different. I was faced with the same question asked Peter that was read this morning. Who do you say that I am? Ever feel the arrow hit your heart? Dead center. I could no longer hide out in a crowd. The congregation. I had to choose. And at that moment, a strange thing happened. And I'll close with this. I sat there holding the matzah and the cob, and yet a verse from Scripture came flooding into my mind. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know if there are any anxious thoughts within me. See and lead me in the way of everlasting. Interesting thing, Jews do not memor, uh, memorize key verses like we do as Christians. Um, they don't memorize addresses. So it was odd that this verse would come pouring into my mind. You see, as Jews, if you're serious about faith, you study the Bible, the Jewish scriptures, but you memorize whole books, not a verse. That whole, that's what Paul did. He memorized the whole book, books. And so those verses came pouring in like a flood. And at that moment, I felt God come in. I felt him search me just at that Verse said, I felt him go to the closet, the one I had locked, and open it and look inside to pull out the drawers I didn't want him to see. He searched everything everywhere. And this is the remarkable part. I felt that he loved me anyway. At that moment, I felt totally exposed to the very deepest part of me was laid bare. Hmm. 
I felt humbled at that moment. Yes, I realized that the scriptures, both the old and the new, were true. Not a little true, absolutely true. Both the old and the new, not just a little bit, but completely true. Every syllable, every verse, every jot, and every tittle. And so there I sat with the Lord's Supper. And as the pastor said, let's take the bread, let's take the wine, I did. And I did so with tears streaming down my cheeks. And I did something I never intended to do. Yes, I stepped through that narrow great gate. But I have to tell you, the most Jewish thing I have ever done in my life is become a Christian. Amen. <clears throat> yes, I had to choose and I had chosen. I asked him into my life. This is what I want to leave you with. The words in Deuteronomy, God is putting before the people in, um, I put before you in Deuteronomy 30, verses nine, verse 19, I put before you today when I call all heavens and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose. So that your children may live. You see, those words, the words I had read in the New Testament, could have but one meaning. My Messiah had, in fact, died for me. That I might live. And the enormity of that reality that morning brought tears to my cheeks again. And I felt broken on a cross of my own. Yes, Christ got hold of me. He never let go and hasn't yet. And that's how I stand before you, a Messianic Jew and a Lutheran pastor. Thank you.